Okay, good morning everybody. A uh, couple of Recording announcements. Firstly, we are going to dedicate our learning today for the safety of our soldiers on the front lines for the safe return of anybody who's not currently in a safe place or with their families, for the refuah for those who've been injured, and for the physical and emotional well-being of everybody who's going through this very trying time. Uh, quick announcement, uh, Judy Schwartz brought to my attention that at 11.30 there's going to be a worldwide um, call to prayer, solidarity, a expression of unity. Uh, what we're gonna do is at 11.50, God willing, um, we're gonna stop our uh, class and join them so that this way we could have both of the best of both worlds. We could continue our Zman Keva, our learning, and at the same time also participate in the greater um, message of unity. Uh, we, we hopefully will have that as a uh, kind um, gesture on the part of Lynn um, Bresler. She's really amazing um, we're gonna she's gonna do the best she can to try and share her screen with us at that time so just so that you know what's coming um forward okay let's get started in parashat lech lecha a tiny recap of last week i had introduced the idea of noah being the person who is stuck in the modality of Elohim, who believes that what is, is. And in his place, in his state, when there is no room for change and we don't have the creative mind weighing in and considering what could be, what we can accomplish as being created by God as creators, Hamas. Everybody went crazy that the word Hamas was in last week's perasha. Happens to be in this week's perasha also. Maybe we'll highlight it in the context that it comes in. But the idea or the concept of accepting the status quo and not believing that we play a pivotal role in the way the world moves forward, that was the modality of Noah. He accepted what was. Now we're going to uh, be introduced to this magnificent Avraham Avinu. He's going to come on this scene. We were actually introduced to him at the end of last week's parasha as the son of Terach, as the brother of Haran and Nahor, as the husband of Sarai. We were introduced to him, but very little is told to us by the time we get to Perek 12, Pasuk Aleph, we have no idea what it is that prompted Hashem to speak to Abraham. And we are gonna have to glean some from the commentaries, but a lot of it is going to be right here in front of us. So let's get started. Vayomer Hashem el Avram. Hashem is now gonna speak to Avram, and so we should be comforted in knowing that our theory that Avram is going to be a person who's way more open and way more in touch with this knowledge and this belief that as being created by God, we have not only the ability but the responsibility to create and to add and to bring to being new visions and new versions. And that's what he's going to do. So, Vayomer Hashem el Avram. Hashem speaks to Avram and he says, Lech lecha me'artzecha u'mimoladetecha u'mibet avicha el ha'aretz asher ar'eka. He gives him this directive, the famous Lech lecha. Rashi says, it's for your own good, letovatcha. I also like the translation lecha, go into yourself, this journey that as much as it's going to be an external journey, and as much as you're going to be going from Haran, which is north, you're going to end up going down south, this lech lecha also might be alluding to the idea of Avraham 
up until now, you've been a person of emet, of truth, of absolutes, of uh, in intellect, everything that has to do with this northern part of our body, everything that is cerebral, that is what you've been, Avraham. Avraham. And maybe we could throw in now the stories and the Midrashim that say that he was in charge of his father's idol shop. You know, we, these Midrashim are more than just inter entertaining uh, children's stories. They're saying that he arrived at his knowledge of Hashem through a process of logic, through an intellectual process, meaning he realized that these objects made of wood or stone may have eyes and ears, but they can't see or hear. And in arriving at that conscious uh, um, understanding, he responds to it with his logic. He responds to truth because truth, emet, is immutable. And his father takes him to Nimrod because, to paraphrase quickly, he ends up having, he ends up smashing all the idols and makes up a story that one idol smashed the other, other idols. And of course, his father doesn't buy it, takes him to Nimrod. And then you have the other famous story of. Avraham dancing in Kivshan Ha'esh. Of Avraham dancing when Nimrod throws him into the fiery furnace, into the burning furnace. For us today to understand these concepts, to understand what the commentaries were trying to explain and express to us, I mean, it's so rich on the simplest level where we stand now, where we're literally in the line of fire, Hashem is going to say, I am capable of having Avraham dance through the fire and come out unscathed. I want you to know that in all future generations, in all future times of trouble, if you're willing to sing and dance, and maybe you've seen the depictions of Avraham and Kivshan Ha'esh where they show him dancing and singing, if you're able to go into a situation with the recognition that Hashem is with you and holding your hand, escorting all of us, and has done this before, then you'll be able to dance. And I always say this, the people who are going to get the front row seats to the Yeshua, the people who are going to get to be able to see like Miriam, she waited while the Teva, while her brother was bobbing along on the riverbank. She waited, she knew, she knew something good was going to happen. And then she gets front row seats to see the sea split and to be the one that's going to be there singing. Abraham here from the very beginning is trying to tell us this idea that if we go into the situation knowing God's holding our hand, then God's holding our hand. And, he, and maybe this is a continuing conversation. We're going to encounter, I'm jumping out of turn, but we're going to encounter the Brit Ben Habetarim in this week's parasha, The covenant of the parts where Abraham separates the halves of the animals and God passes through them in a fire. That might inform this story that might say the way my fire is passing through these animals my fire was also passing through with Nimrod my fire is there with you and so he tells him Lech lecha, this journey that you're going to take although you may have started from a place of intellect and you came and arrived at your truth and your emet using your mind, now it's time for you to move south. And what might that mean if it's an, look, it's definitely a physical journey. He's going from Haran to Kena'an. He's going from north to south. But if we went from north to south, physically speaking, we may realize that what God wants of Abraham at this point is to also be able to access his emotional, the heart. He can't just be um, rational. There has to be the ration, the mind has to be informed by the heart. And this lech lecha, 
is going to start to say, you're going to need to leave your artzecha, which is something he had already done because he started out in Ur Kastim last week and went to Haran. So technically, he's able to leave his land because he's done it already. And maybe these terms, Artsecha, Muladetecha, Bet Avicha, maybe these places, these markers of leaving your nation or your nature or your nurture, your Bet Avicha, maybe they're here for us as well. And maybe they're intended for us in our growth, in our process, where we're going from being these cerebral beings to being more in touch with our emotions. Maybe it means that we often use these artsecha, moladetecha, and bet avicha as excuses for not becoming the people that we could become. We could say, where I come from, we never did that. We could say, I was never raised that way. We could say, it's not in my DNA. I was never nurtured that way. And God is saying, I need you to remember one thing. You know, the baby in utero, if you picture a baby in utero, it's curled over. The brain is actually under the heart. Picture that curled little infant where the heart is really going to govern the day. And I'm saying that because this is what we're encountering today. A lot of us have a ton of frustration and we're saying there's too much loving kindness that we are uh, showing, uh, especially towards our enemies and the way that we're conducting ourselves and in the uh, morality of war that we're taking. But that's who we are. We have to allow, there are gonna be borders, and there are going to be boundaries, and there's ad khan, and there's going to be a place where we're going to draw the line. But Abraham Avinu, God is telling him now, I want you to go and not only just be, use logic to arrive, because it is chalegoi gadol. You are going to be the leader of a large nation. I will be blessing you. I will be making your name great. And then, once that happens, and this is very important, it doesn't just mean that you will be a blessing, which seems for the, um, that the text is saying that. We have to understand what a beracha is, and I forgot to mention, el ha'aretz asher arecha. I'm going to show you to yourself. I'm going to show you what you're capable of. I'm going to show you what your abilities are. What are your abilities? What, are, what is each one of our abilities tied to? Number one, we have to realize that we do have a special blessing from Hashem. Through our great-grandfather Avraham, what does that beracha mean? What is the word beracha anyway? We've discussed this before. It's an agricultural term. A beracha is when you take the limb while it's still attached to the tree and you put it in the ground, you bend the tree over enough so that its limb could be in the ground while it's still attached to the tree. And you can get the imagery of that's the way a beracha is usually bestowed. The person giving the blessing is bending over the recipient, putting his hands on him. The agricultural term for beracha is allowing that branch to grow its roots while it's still attached to the mother tree. And this transference of energy is a very strong one. It's, imagine God's doing this to us. He's telling us to Abraham right now, I'm transferring my energy to you and I'm transferring it to you and we're not going to sever that we don't cut the tree, the branch away from the tree until that branch grows its own roots. So Abraham, it's time to take your show on the road. It's time to lech lecha. It's time for you to recognize that I have blessed you I am continually blessing you. Your roots that you're placing are going to be strong. And the purpose for you to have these roots is So through you, this tree now is going to grow up and take its limb and put it in the ground and keep transferring until the world is an orchard of these uh, trees that were planted literally by God. You know, they say, Adam hu etz hasadeh. 
The understanding is that God planted us and it's our job to take from that neta, from that planting um, that God gave us and to continue it forward. And this is the beracha that we have. All of the families of the earth are going to be uh, blessed through you. And just to fast forward, what happens here, if this is an internal journey that Abraham is taking, as well as an external journey, in his external journey, he goes to Canaan, there's a famine there, and so he has to go further south to Egypt. In Hebrew, we call that Yerida Letzorech Aliyah. Abraham is going to have to go down even further south before he's able to come back up, before he's able to, we know with extremes, if you're all the way in the north, if it's a pendulum, it's hard to go just from the north to the middle. If you're too high north, sometimes you have to go all the way down south in order to find your way back towards center. And what I mean by that is Abraham is going to end up in the place that's most morally starved. He's going to end up in a place called Mitzrayim. And at this place, there's going to be this uh, recognition. I told you if he was Emet, what is Sarah? Sarah is all about beauty. Sarah is all about Tiferet. I'm going to have Emet and Tiferet come together. And what does that even mean? How do we, we... Beings that believe in truth, beings that are intellectual and arrive through our decisions with logic, how do we interact with this thing called beauty? So let's first say, where and when does he notice her beauty? It's not until they all go all the way down south that he notices, that you are a beautiful woman. What is this Yerida? Why does he go so far down south? If you want to talk about the laws of physics again, what happens is the harder you push something down, then the higher it will spring up. If you want to use, as an example, um, let's just say if you want to jump high, you would bend and crouch low, and then you'd be able to spring higher. Think about a basketball, that might be an easier analogy. The more air in the basket, in the ball, excuse me, the harder you throw that ball down, the higher it's gonna bounce up. But what if the ball has no air in it? What if there's a yerida? What if we go down, God forbid, and we don't have air in our lungs? And what do I mean when I say air in our lungs? We, we're not filled, what's another word for air? For ruach, for vayipach, that God breathed in us his breath. Nefesh, neshama, ruach hakodesh, ruach, ruhi, ruach is breath. When we go down, we must make sure that we have air inside of us, that we have this breath inside of us. You know, what's taking place and sure many of you have seen many many videos from the soldiers what are they asking of us my friend katie said the nicest thing and i keep repeating it to myself over and over one soldier in one of his videos said you guys he said we're on the front lines that's our job we are the ones holding the guns facing the enemy in the front lines but don't for one second minimize what you guys bring to the table. He said, you guys are the orif. You know, in Torah, we call the orif the back of the neck. You're at the back of the army. We're all one. We cannot move forward and be successful in our job unless you guys are doing your job. And you know what we're asking you to do? We're asking you to sing. We're asking you to dance. We're asking you to have hope. We're asking you to have faith. Because in doing so, you'll be energizing us. Your part is equally, imagine a soldier with his uniform and his rifle telling us and giving us chizuk and telling us that what we're doing is equally as important 
or even more important. Because why? We said this before and I'll repeat it again. When we sing and we dance, we show that we have faith like Abraham in the fiery furnace. We're singing and dancing in that furnace with the belief that Hashem is going to not only accompany us, if you see this week's Haftarah, it's something magnificent. Maybe I'm just going to read you a few words from it right now because we're going to be ending early. The Haftarah is from Yeshayahu, and it starts in Yeshayahu, Perek 40, Pasuk 27. But I took the liberty of adding on Pasuk 26 because it's just such a beautiful verse. I, I wish they would have included it where the prophet is telling us, look to the heavens, look who created these. Look who brings out all the kochavim, all the stars, and calls each one by name. And then it says, not one single one is missing. Every single one is accounted for. And then our haftarah starts out and says, Yaakov, what are you worried about? Yisrael, what are you concerned about? Didn't you hear? Haven't you heard that Hashem, your God, is the creator of the earth? He doesn't grow tired and he doesn't grow weary. And even though we can't fathom his ways, he is the one who gives the strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. And we have to read these words and own them and believe them. And we have to say, he's going to give the strength. I was just speaking to Zella, who's telling me about her magnificent family and how they find strength when anybody else might fall apart. We rise, the cream always rises to the top. It says right here in the Haftarah, even the youths, they grow tired they grow weary. The young men who don't even have the, uh, 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 who you'd think have the most stamina, they would even stumble and fall. But if we have our hope in Hashem, Koveh Hashem, the one who has, uh, 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 or, who is oriented or has tikva, means kavanah, so many words at play with these. The one who has Koveh Hashem, Yachalifu Koach, the one who has strength in God, you know what's going to happen to him? He's going to have his own strength renewed. And then the words are so poetic. They're going to soar on kanfe nesharim, on the wings of eagles. Yarutsu velo yiga'u. They're going to be able to run and not get tired. Yilchu velo ye'afu. They'll be able to walk and they're not going to be able, they won't faint, they won't grow weary. So what is God telling us? He's saying there is a tremendous strength that comes from this belief and this recognition if you're smart enough to um, tap into it. He says, Yiten lefanav goyim. Hashem is going to place the goyim. He's going to turn them into dust. You know what he's allowing us to do with our swords? He's going to allow us to turn our enemy to dust. And he's going to allow our chachedev, our sword, to turn the enemy into kash, into uh, um, uh, uh, wheat chaff. He pursues them. This is what he's telling us. We, the goyim, it's interesting, the goyim are having a conversation in this week's haftarah. And the goyim are telling themselves, be strong. And the metal, metal worker is encouraging the goldsmith and they're talking to each other and they're saying, put more nails down and fix your idol so it won't topple. He goes through a conversation that the goyim are having who put their trust in idols. But we, Israel, the servant of Hashem, Yaakov, who he chose, it's, Hashem says, I... I have chosen you and I will never reject you. So don't fear. 
Imcha Anochi. These words have been reverberating since the beginning of time and are still in effect. Imcha Anochi, I am with you. Imatsticha, I will strengthen you. Amatsticha, and I will give you courage. And this is really very beautiful. Anybody who tries to raise their hand against you, Yevoshu, they're going to become Yavesh, they're going to become dry, and they're going to be, be as like a busha, they're going to be embarrassed. Those who oppose you, Yovedu, they're going to perish. So good luck trying to find your enemies, because when I'm finished, the people who have worn against you will be ke'efes, like zero, like nothing. They won't even exist. Don't, af- don't be afraid, Yisrael. Al-tira'i, don't be afraid. I am your redeemer. And then he tells us these words, and I feel that they're very, very comforting for us. He says, you, B'nai Yisrael, you're going to be like a threshing sledge that has many sharp teeth. And you're going to be able to thresh mountains and crush them. You're going to take the hills and reduce them to chaff. The wind will pick them up and blow them away. All I ask of you, Yisrael, this is the prophet thousands of years ago speaking then, but I believe the words ring true today. But what? But you will rejoice in the Lord. Ata. Tagil Bahashem. What's our job? What is we we're being given license? You know, unfortunately, we think to ourselves that because something bad happened, we need to show our solidarity and, and mope and, and share in the sadness of what was when the prophet is telling us please and the soldiers are telling us please. Don't despair on what was. We want you tagil, gila, rina. We want you to be happy and we want you to sing. Why? Because Hashem, Kadosh Yisrael, is going to be tit halel, is going to be singing like halel, like hallelujah, is going to be rejoicing and singing God's greatness. Don't fear, says God. I will help you. I strongly believe it's just the haftara alone, but the entire perashah is going to be wrought with this message. In this week's perashah, God's going to tell Abraham, You're going, your children are going to be like the sand. And then later on, he's going to say they're going to be like the stars. And in order for God to tell that to Abraham, he has to vayotse oto because even Abraham, who we said has to do his lech lecha, he has to come out and he has to experience the world and he has to expand so that he could be the father of many nations, he still has to, and maybe I should take this time to, to go to these verses because it's actually very beautiful. Um, in chapter 15, when God promises him that he's going to be many, uh, father of many nations, he takes him outside and he says, go out to the, look at the heavens and count the stars. Good luck if you even can, count them. And he says, you see, that's going to be your children. What does that mean that's going to... It means on one level, on the simplest level, that we're going to be as many as the stars in the sky. But you know what it also means? It means that sometimes we have to get out of our own heads. Sometimes we have to get out of our own constraints of reality. We have to go outside and step outside the box. And you know what we have to do when we step outside the box? Habetna hashamayma. We must look towards the heavens because when we go out and we look up and we look towards the heavens, we realize that why? There's a whole grander scheme that's way greater that we can. Forget trying to 
contemplate it or to understand it or to make any logic of it, you won't be able to. But you know what the real blessing is here? Is God is telling Abraham, the blessing is that your children should also be able to go out and look at the skies and say, I know me'ayin yavo izri. I know where my help is coming from. Izri me'im Hashem. I know for a fact that as long as I'm stuck in my intellectual self, I can't come up with a plan because nothing possibly makes sense. Do you know that in this week's perasha, I should have started with this, this week's perasha happens to be very beautiful, that after they come back from Mitzrayim, so maybe we'll take a second and say, do we also know that in this week's perasha that Sarah take, is taken hostage? Do we also know that the likelihood of her being released unscathed without a hair on her head being touched, the probabilities were against us? But do we know that not only was she released, but that she was released with reparations that Paro gave money and told Abraham, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Are we, are we aware of all of this? Because that leads us to the next story where Abraham and Lot have so much cattle, they don't know what to do with themselves. They, where did they get all of that from? They were so much bestowed with so much wealth. Not only did we get Sarah back, but we got a ton of Rechush, uh, which we're going to play with these words in the upcoming verses, that Lot has to separate from Abraham because they can't possibly accommodate all the livestock where they are. And Lot, again, parts ways and he chooses to go to Sidon and Amorah. He goes to a place of moral depravity. It's totally uh, uh, one of the most uh, immoral places that, was, that, that existed at the time. And you know what happens when he's there? Oh, we know this. This sounds familiar to us. We know that four kings decide that, I shouldn't say decide, there had been four kings, Amraphel, El, uh, Arioch, Elasar, Kedor Laomer, and um, one, two, three, four, and Kedor Laomer, and Tidal, Tidal, I'm sorry. One, two, three, four. There were four um, kingdoms that had been um, oppressing these other five kingdoms. The five kingdoms, Bera, Birsha, Shinab, Shem, Shemeber and Bela, those five kingdoms, which within those five kingdoms were Melech Sedom and Melech Amorah, they decided they wanted to rebel. They were tired of being oppressed. And what happens when the five kingdoms fight against the four kingdoms? The four kingdoms overtake them. And not only do they overtake them, but they overtake all of these other uh, um, nations in their path. Refaim, Zuzim, Emim, Choritim. It's all there in chapter 14, in the beginning of the chapter. This fight that's taking place. So it seems that these Goyim nations are all fighting amongst themselves. We could name at least 15 kings that were all involved in this story. But what is our, what are we so interested to see and read for today? Is that Lot gets taken hostage. And Lot hears, I mean, Abraham hears apparently a, um, a palit, a refugee comes and tells Abraham that his nephew was taken hostage. He takes an Aned, Eshkol, and Mamre with 318 people. 318 people. And what does he do? He's able to defeat the enemy. He's able to get back the hostages. He's able to get back all their possessions and all of their belongings. Avraham with 318 people 
You can do the math. It's something that is staggering, that doesn't make any logical sense how this is even possible. They had gone all the way up to Damascus, all the way up to Syria, to Damascus, and Abraham is able to return everybody safely. So much so that we have here the introduction of Malki Tzedek, the king of Shalem, of Yerushalayim. And we have him blessing God and blessing Abraham and saying, Baruch Avram Le'el Elyon Koneh Shamayim Va'aretz. You know what's going to happen? We're going to relive this in our time because the Torah is a living, uh, a breathing entity. It's not written just to tell us what happened then. It's here to tell us this is happening today in our time. The children of Avraham are going to prevail. And when we do, the nations of the world are going to finally recognize, this is something we can't possibly imagine right now, that they're going to say, Baruch Avraham le'el elyon they're going to recognize with our victory, with our being able to prevail against the odds, they're going to recognize that Hashem has been with us all along. How this recognition is going to come about, I can't even begin to fathom or imagine, but like the Haftarah says, it's not for us to figure out. God has it all planned out. He has it planned out that in this week, Sarah is going to have the promise of a child. How does that work? I don't know, we should say. But I do know one thing, that Hashem could manipulate the physical world in any way that He sees fit. He's done it before. He has the akara, have a child. You know what an akara is? An akara is a woman without a womb. What does that mean? We know from Hallel, which God willing, we will all be singing together soon. Moshivi Akeret Habayit. You know what Moshivi Akeret Habayit means? An Akara, let's just do the math a little bit of what, a, what an empty womb or a lack of womb might look like. It's a void. It's an empty space. And you know what God says? I'm going to take that empty space. Think of all of our akarot in Tanakh, whether it's Sarah or Rivka or Rachel or Chana or even the wife of Manoah who's called an akara. They always give birth to a Mashiach, to, to the one who's going to end up saving the nation or bringing them towards a place of uh, being spared or being redeemed. And so what is God saying? Moshivi. Akeret habayit. When the akeret, who's the akeret, the ikad of the bayit, who's the mainstay of the house? The mainstay is actually the woman. The eshet chayil is akeret habayit. She's the ikad. She's the main one of the house. You know what God is going to do? We're singing halel and we're saying moshivi akeret habayit. You know, you took a place that was empty and hollow. And you took a place that was had a tremendous void, and many of us have tremendous voids just just by the uh, experience and the and the history of what's been through thousands of years and through the last few weeks. I'll just say one thing, my friend Katie. I speak to her a lot, so she gives me the chizuk. Imagine she's living there and she's strengthening me here. She said, unfortunately, one of the people who died, who was killed in one of the um, kibbutzim, every time a rocket used to come and uh, make a big hole in the ground, he used to tell his kids, look at the Arabs. They did us a favor. They dug the hole for us so that we could plant the tree. All we have to do now is the planting. We don't have to do the digging. And it really, really hit home with me that this akara, that this empty space, that this empty hole, that these voids that are created will end up becoming filled with banim. The promise is here. Our akara, Sarah, is going to have a ban. 
our nation is going to give birth, God willing, to a new reality and a new existence from these holes and from these voids that we've, uh, that we've been given. And when we say this, I've just finished that last pasuk, em habanim semecha. You know what em habanim semecha means? The eshet chayil, the em habanim. She was happy when? Why was the akedet habayit able to come back? Why was the one who was childless able to come back to the house? She, you know, she may have felt displaced. She may have felt there was no role for her to play. So she had to be moshivi. She had to return. You know what brought her back? Em habanim semecha. It's going to be the simcha. It's going to be this attitude of happiness in the belief that things will be according to the promises that God has made for our people that are recorded here in our Torah. This is what we have. And, and what do we have here? We have here recorded that Abraham, one man with 318 men, is able to defeat nine kingdoms and is able to bring back his hostage with all of his belongings unscathed again. We keep having, we're seeing this over and over reverberating throughout Perashah. Uh, my friend Jillian, I think she's here with us, she sent me something very beautiful and there are different time charts, so I will uh, say that from the onset. But in one of the time charts that had been written, they say that from the creation of the world, Abraham was born in the year 1948. And that's something that we may have uh, heard already because the state of Israel was established in 1948. And if you count 75 years later, which is where we are today in the year 2023, we know that Abraham was 75 years old. That's here in our Torah. He was 75 years old when he went to battle, when he went to save Lot. So our country is at war, and we're also 75 years old. But you know something? The best is yet to come. We're just getting started. We're just getting warmed up. Our nation is going to produce what we never, we think, we see Eretz Israel and we think it's a, it's a, a work of art, and it is. But the part that we don't realize is that that's only the tip of the iceberg. That what we see coming, Mitzion Tetzei Torah, what we see coming out of Eretz Israel and all of the technology and all of the uh, um, poetry and mathematics and medicine and breakthroughs and we're at the top of our game. You know what we are starting to realize? We thought that that was the pinnacle. Guess what? We're just getting, this is Abraham at 75. He hasn't even birthed Yitzchak at this point yet. He hasn't realized a potential like Eretz Israel hasn't yet realized the greatness that we're capable of. So we can't, we have to laugh today saying, ha, we thought we were so uh, accomplished. Wait, I'm going to laugh today because what God has in store for us as a people, as a nation, hasn't yet even been revealed. What we're seeing is only a tiny little preview. Don't see that as the finished product. And as we move forward, we see that in this week, we're asked to do a Brit Milah, and it's told seven times. The word Brit, Brit, Brit keeps appearing to show that the Brit Milah is gonna be part of our uh, physical self. But the thing that I found most interesting in Pedic 17, verse one, is that now at 99 years old, Hashem, the Yudke Vavke comes to Avram, and he tells me, he tells him, Ani El Shaddai, I am the God of Shaddai, Shaddai. Remember before we had spoken about boundaries and about borders 
and die, there's a, a, a place we do want to be expansive and we do want to be uh, uh, very open and, and very welcoming, but there's also a die, there's also a limit to that. And he says, those words reverberate with Noach is Shadik et ha Elohim hithalech Noach. And remember, Noach was a tamim bedorotav. And remember that we had said that the word tamim meant there was this insular component, like this component of being inside of the tent. There was this component that in order to be tamim, we couldn't engage with the world because that would mess with our tamimness. But Abraham's going to introduce now a new concept. And he's going to take his tamim show on the road. And he's going to, God is going to tell him that you're going to be an Av Hamon Goyim. You're going to get a new change of name. And it's going to be Avraham. Because you, Avraham, and the Jewish people can no longer stay isolated in our tamimness. We have to show it. Kings are going to be affected by you. Nations are going to be affected by you. And I'm making this brit olam with you here and with you now. And when I said that the tamim, I mean, that the idea that there are going to be shaddai, there's going to be boundaries, you know who's going to set that boundary? Abraham, who ends up being starting out so intellectual and then becomes so kind and so loving and he's known as Ish Chesed and he's so embracing, he needs to marry Sarah because Sarah is going to be the one who's ultimately going to say, you need to, put a, you need to draw a line. And where does she draw that line? She draws that line when Hagar becomes pregnant. And I know the clock is ticking feverishly, so I'll try and be quick because all of this is in this week's parasha. When Hagar becomes pregnant, has a, becomes pregnant and has, before she has her child, I'm sorry, it says, Vatahar, she conceives, Vatere ki she sees that she conceived, Vatakel gevirta be'eneha. And so her geveret, which is Sarah, becomes lowered in her esteem. And you know what Sarai says to Abraham? Here's that word. Chamasi alecha. What does that mean? We should have shivers when we hear Sarai using a word like Hamas. Maybe it gives us an understanding of what Hamas really is and what Hagad is going to ultimately bring into the world with this attitude and this education of hers. She becomes pregnant. And rather than bask in the pregnancy glow, and rather than say thank you Hashem, like Chana and everybody else before her, and recognize that what she's carrying is a gift, do you know what she has to do? She can't see her own greatness for who and what she or her child that she's going to bear is. What does she have to do? Vatakel gevirta. The only way that she could rise is by putting somebody else down. That, I believe, is the true definition of Hamas. Hamas doesn't have their own greatness to celebrate. The only thing they could celebrate is knocking down others, is beating up others, is pushing down others. That's not the way to greatness. And therefore, in next week's Perashah, God's going to sanction Sarah's suggestion or command to send away the Shifcha and Bina, to send them away. Because what can't we have? We can't have, we can't measure our greatness by somebody else's downfall. Everybody, every one of us has our own ability to be great. We have our own Beracha. We have our own uh, uh, um, gifts from Hashem. And if we start to measure our greatness by somebody else or by feeling that we have to knock somebody else down, it means that we believe that there is a limit to human greatness. We, 
B'nai Israel, especially when we're together, especially when we're united, especially when the back end is connected to the front end, when we are able to celebrate each other's uh, um, victories and cry together for each other's defeats, when we could stand united like this and understand that when one person succeeds, we all succeed because we're all part of the same organism. When we can do that, that's where it says, Am Yisrael Chai. When we say the words, Am Yisrael Chai, it means that we're all one, and if one finger is hurting, we all feel it. And Chai means we are going to all breathe air into, into each other. We're going to each give each other our strength. We're not going to despair. We're not going to have yeush or we're not going to have depression because we'll be taking air out of the lungs of the entire organism. So for now, for today, we're going to, if Lynn is going to be able to share her screen with us in a couple of moments, we're going to express this idea that we all are part of one unit. We all are uh, uh, interconnected with each other. And what I mean by that, and the way I started the class and the way I'm going to end the class, is I'm going to believe that when we read the Tehillim, that we say every single day that we are calling out to God, Adonai Shim'a Bekoli, God hear my voice, and I want it to be like song to you. Why do I want it to be like song to God? Because I want to be able to sing. Because I want to have faith and I want to have trust and I want to have a belief that this will end well and that I'm going to dance right now even though we're in the furnace. We're going to die. Oh, excuse me, God forbid. We're going to dance because I'm going to dance today and I'm going to sing today and like the name of the child who's birth is going to be announced in this week's perasha, we must laugh. We must laugh at the unimaginable. I think, I, I think Lynn was able to... Um, For those of you who could hear me, if you decide to sign on on your own devices, it's ash.com, I believe, uh, day of prayer. Maybe there's a backslash in there. I'll tell you 